Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome back into the Card Chronicle podcast. Back-to-back episodes here yesterday. More hoops-related today. We're going to be talking more about the football team, specifically National Signing Day, which went down uh, on Tuesday. Louisville signing, or I guess Wednesday, uh, Louisville signing 21 players to this 2021 class. Not fully done yet, but they got the guys they wanted to. And to talk more about this today, um, the guy that if you've been reading Card Chronicle this week, too much of. Uh, he has been, <laughs> as always, uh, all over signing day, Keith Wynn, uh, a beast as always, just doing huge numbers for the site, wrote profiles of all 21 players who signed with Louisville. If you haven't checked those out, they're still up on the site. You can read uh, each and every one. Highly suggest you do if you want to have a, a better understanding of who the future of Louisville football is going to be, what they look like. And Keith, the last time we talked last week, we were talking about the whole Scott Satterfield kerfuffle and, and all the fallout from that. And you and I both kind of said, Look, we're ready to move on. We're we, we kind of are a little bit annoyed about what went down, a little bit pissed off about what went down, but let's let bygones be bygones and, and move the program forward. And you said that the one thing that could make you pissed off again would be if if this whole thing cost Louisville a couple of guys from this recruiting class because you were really high on the, the class overall. That didn't happen. Um, the only guy that is committed to Louisville who didn't sign uh, on Tuesday is Jeray Williams, T. Wilson. Um, some talk there that there may be some academic issues or something else going on. Uh, still could wind up signing with Louisville. But other than that, there was nobody who left the class. We got the guys that we wanted to. So because of that, I have to assume that you saw this is a really, really positive national signing day, right? Yeah, yeah. I think Louisville did really well. I think um, the big thing, obviously, is that they were able to um, they're 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 able to recruit with the balance that Louisville needs. You know, we, we, we all know that when, when Bobby Petrino left the program, he left it from a standpoint of the roster management was just terrible. You know, offensive line only had six guys. The defensive line hadn't signed, uh, like, a defensive lineman in a couple classes. Um, you know, you can count, you know, they had way too many wide receivers. So they, they, they really have done a good job of balancing the roster, managing that aspect of it. So I think that's important um, because um, – Going forward, Louisville's going to have to, you know, they're looking at replacing starters right now, and, and you're, you're able to bring in guys that are going to provide depth as opposed to, hey, we're bringing in guys where we have to play them right away, or we're having to go the transfer portal route, or you're having to bring in JUCOs. Like, they're able to actually just replenish on the back end the way they're supposed to. And I think on top of that, they're bringing in some talented players. They've got guys where you can say, hey, we can play this guy next year because we want to, as opposed to, all right, we absolutely have to play this guy. So I think they did a good job there. I think they got some talented kids. They, they were able to really do what they wanted on the defensive side of the ball by adding guys that are no longer 
bigger athletes um, that that especially at the at the second and third level with the linebacker and, and secondary positions, they got some they got some taller guys, some longer guys. Uh, you talk to the coaches, and that's 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 all I heard whenever I reached out to some of those guys that they they really put a premium on length. Um, and you you look at the best teams in the program, you see what they're able to do. They're able to get those guys that are in the you know six three, six four range, defense linemen that are six four, six five, and and Louisville was able to do that on defense. And then on offense, they obviously added some speed. They they replaced the guys they're losing. Uh, and, and I think overall, I I can't imagine the staff isn't you know really happy with this uh, recruiting class. You obviously go way way deeper than I do when it comes to to football recruiting. But if I'm looking at the numbers, I think the two things that jumped out to you know, people like me who kind of just look at this once we get guys signed, you've got two top 200 players according to, I think it's the 24-7 sports uh, rankings. Travion Cooley, a uh, top 140 running back who picked Louisville despite having offers from Florida and Georgia. That jumps out, obviously. And then Benjamin Perry is a guy who, ever since he recruited or committed to Louisville, has been highly touted. He's been one of those guys in the individual top 300 or top 500, whatever the scouting services use. I mean, uh, first of all, how exciting is it to have a running back this highly touted? It feels like that's something we haven't had in a long time. And second of all, are both of these guys players that could see the field sooner rather than later, considering they're coming in and filling what should be positions of need? Yeah, I think that both those guys will play right away in some in some capacity. I think Cooley's a perfect example of being able to bring in talented kids that you don't have to play, but you but you can play. I mean, he's not a guy. They're not relying on a guy to come in and be the star running back. Cooley can is probably going to be the third string guy, um, which you know, which is great. He'll get he'll get carries. He'll get touches next year, um, and maybe he'll be able to fight for that second spot, or maybe even be the starter. That's but that's a that's a positive. You know, that's a that's a good problem to have. Uh, I think that he is just as talented as as the rankings and all the offers show. Um, you know, I think that he would be a composite four-star rivals is just they've kind of thrown away their their recruiting rankings this year which is fair they, they kind of looked at it as hey these these kids aren't playing we don't really have a way to really evaluate them to the standard that rivals says they have they made a business decision to say hey, we're gonna you know keep our rankings from what we have which is last year and Cooley didn't play very much last year so that's part of what why he's not a composite four-star but if you look at 247 sports he's a you know top 150 160 player so you look at you know some of those things are, are you know the rankings aren't necessarily always accurate but you cannot yeah you, know, you look at offers you look at what you can see on film you look at the rankings you put it all together you try to give a get a good good feeling of it and I think Trayvon Cooley is one of the best running backs that Louisville's been able to get uh in, in a long time and and I think he'll definitely see the field Ben Perry is a guy that I I I think that he's one of the best defensive prospects you know when you look at just kind of my evaluation on what I see in him, he, he goes back to those Charlie Strong days where they got guys where you 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 watch them on film and you're like, okay, I can totally see what they see, you know, and it's obvious. And you you can say, okay, this guy's going to come in and immediately fight for playing time. Uh, he's a he's a I, I listed him as a defensive athlete in the profile uh, because they're going to find out where he's going to play when he gets here. Uh, he'll be here in January, and once they figure it out, they'll just play him there, or maybe they'll move around, or maybe they'll look at him as, hey, we can move him in a different position on third downs than he plays on first and second downs. He is one of those guys that defenses are looking for. You look at uh, Isaiah Simmons, uh, Kyle Hamilton in Notre Dame, uh, the Derwin James at, at Florida State, where 
defensive coordinators are, are looking for guys where you can say, hey, I'll figure out where where we play this guy. I'll just put him out there and 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 scheme around him to 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 let him be the best athlete he can be. I don't. I'm not comparing him to those players from a talent standpoint, but that's where you. That's the vision where you say, hey, we'll bring this guy in and we'll just figure it out. I think he's that talented. Um, he's got the speed. He's got the size. He's got the ball skills. He set the state record in Illinois uh, with nine interceptions as a junior. I mean, just one of those ball hawk guys that, that that I think Louisville fans, especially watching this year, where guys are dropping interceptions and getting mossed in the end zone. Those days, they're they're trying to avoid that now. They're they're bringing in guys that that are picking off passes. Greedy Vance last year, seven or eight interceptions, I think, as a senior. Um, you've got other guys that they've recruited in this class that have five, six, seven interceptions on the year. They they want guys that are going to cause and force turnovers. And Ben Perry is is the prototype of what they're looking for. And and something I pointed out yesterday to kind of close out on Ben Perry, four star. Under Armour All-American with two Ivy League offers. And yeah. He is exactly what the staff has talked about since they got here. They want guys that are, you know, good good guys off the field, the high character, but also have a high football IQ, have the smarts, blah, 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 all that stuff. Well, you, you can't get much better than a guy that's an All-American that also is, is turning down, you know, Ivy League offers to, to be able to come here. So he's what they're looking for, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, I, I, you know, like I said, I, I spoke to some of the coaches this year talking about recruiting. You, you, you to a T. I mean, it's just that this, this is the type of guy they want, that long, big athlete that can put on bulk and still be athletic. That's what they're looking for, and I think Ben Perry is 100% that guy. You were talking about, like, rivals kind of punting on recruiting rankings this year. I was going to ask you about this because, like, when I was looking at the, the team rankings and, and some of the stuff that was coming in throughout the day on Wednesday – I kind of had this thought, like, how the fuck is anybody doing this? You know, <laughs> some states didn't play high school football at all this year. Some are going to play it in the spring. Some had, you know, states that ended up having teams where they played three or four games and then had to call it quits. Um, the the summer camps last year obviously didn't happen the way that they have in the past. Uh, same with camps in the fall. It just seems like, one, this is a year where it's really easy to lie to your fan base. If, if, if you have, like, a, a recruiting class that's disappointing by your program standards, you can say – well, look, you know, these guys aren't properly evaluated. You're going to have to trust on this. I mean, it feels like fan bases across the country are going to have to trust their coaching staff's eye for talent more this year than in any other. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, one of the things with Louisville, um, Scott Satterfield was kind of stressed that they were able to see a lot of these guys last year in person, whether it be at camps or going to watch them play last, last year's juniors and bye weeks and things like that. So there are some of those guys, um, you know, some of the guys, Braylon Oliver is a guy who got on campus um, and they were able to, you know, meet this kid in person and things like that. You've got Aaron Gunn and Victor Mullen, who, who both were able to visit multiple times. Some of these guys camped. Uh, Zen Malinsky or whatever, who ended up flipping Ohio State, was a guy that they got in super early because he's from Floyd Central and they knew him backwards and forwards. And that was one of the reasons why I think he committed. And then obviously Ohio State came in once he turned into Captain America and changed his entire body and grew an inch and put on 50 pounds or whatever. And all the big 10 programs start coming after him. But, you know, I think they were able to get some of these kids in early, which was big, but there are other guys that, yeah, they, they have no clue. I mean, you look at a guy like Christian Peterson, who's out there in tech in, in California, they're going off of nothing but film, you know, and, and, you know, some of that, some of this is also 
having relationships with high schools, being able to talk to coaches and trust their word. You, you know, that's when they get into Georgia and North Carolina, where they have this this great relationship with different coaches. A guy like Vic Tone Brown, who's at Grayson High School, they know Grayson backwards and forth. They already, you know, they they have Alan Smith who recruited who committed a couple years ago. They're they're at Grayson all the time, and and they have a good relationship with those coaches, so they can take their word on, hey, this kid is a good kid. He's a player. He, this is his, his measurables. That's another aspect. Um, I, I thought it was funny that <laughs> when they talked about Caleb Banks yesterday in the in the press conference, Scott Satterfield's like, hey, yeah, you know, we got you know Caleb Banks. He's list. We listen to six seven. And he just flat out said, "Like I don't, be, I don't know if he's that tall." Like they, they you know, <laughs> they are just kind of just like throwing out stuff because they don't really know necessarily and all this stuff. But you're hoping that you that the relationship they have, you know, he Caleb Banks with the high school with Christian uh, Fitzpatrick. So yeah, you hope that they know his coach. They know, you know, uh, Dez's dad, Christian's dad, that that they can kind of vouch for him. You you pull out all the stops as a coach. Because the recruiting rankings, yeah, they don't really matter as much as they normally do. Uh, there's no way 247 is doing had, – had, they posted multiple times on their whole process. They're using this this year to evaluate talent, and all it comes down to is, you know, they're watching a bunch of huddle tape, going back to what they saw from these kids at junior camps, which, I mean, these are, these are young guys. They're going to develop so much from a junior to a senior – that you can't really go off what you saw as a junior. I mean, whether it be measurables, whether it be, uh, you know, their 40 times, all of that stuff is going to change by the time they're a senior. So you really have to have coaches that can scout. Um, I think that it was Bud Elliott who works with 247 that said this is going to be the worst evaluated class in the history of college football, and we're going to see a lot of group of five teams end up with, like, super super talented kids because they didn't get it, they didn't get that senior year exposure, so they're not they're not taking that big step up. I think, and and we look at Zin Zin I, I butcher this kid's name all the time. Zin Malinsky. I think it's the right? But yeah, the kid from the kid from Floyd Central. Right. We saw this this all this during the pandemic. This kid completely changed his entire body. Literally posted a picture of before and after, and I I, I compared it to the Captain America scene. Because that's what it looked like. I mean, he gained a bunch of weight, but he was also able to play as a senior. So Ohio State got to watch this kid dominate as a senior on top of him changing his entire body. And Louisville got, you know, went from getting a steal, you know, a middle of the pack three-star three, three star, to Ohio State getting a four-star kid because he, he was able to be properly evaluated. Now, obviously, Louisville's not a group of five school, but say this kid was playing out in the middle of nowhere and 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 he got missed, and you know, instead of Louisville coming in, you have Central Michigan or something like that, that that comes down, and they usually get those types of players. That's going to happen a lot this year because a lot of these kids they haven't they haven't had any exposure as a senior, and they're going to slip through the cracks, and all of a sudden they get to their Group of Five school or just not a good Power Five school, and they're going to show out, uh, and it's because they didn't get to be evaluated, so. It's going to be a weird year. You're going to have a bunch of transfers in a couple of years because you have kids that went to a school that they never actually saw and they don't like it. It's going to be nuts, but you know, I, I think overall, from a from Louisville standpoint, they got in on all these kids early. They got them. They got them committed really early, um, and I think they were able to build that relationship, which is going to be a big factor. There is. It's a part of me that kind of loves the fact, or at least respects the fact, that the only player in this class that has 
any sort of drama surrounding him is T. Wilson because (laughs) it feels wildly appropriate that, I mean, one of the the biggest, I mean, prima donnas, like T. was absolutely a prima donna. We loved him while he was here, but he was, loved the drama, loved uh, kind of some controversy. And now his son is the player in this class that, uh, that wasn't able to sign with Louisville. A lot of questions out there. Do you have any sort of insight on what's going on with him and how likely it may be that he still winds up being a Cardinal at some point in time? I think long term, I, I I think the there's a good bet that he still ends up at Louisville. I don't think it'll be in this recruiting class. I think that uh, my understanding is just that from a standpoint of getting his grades in line to be able to sign. So one of the things that we see now that is very much different than just a few years ago is that schools will not sign a kid unless they know for sure that they're going to be able to get make the grades and have the qualifying, be able to qualify. Because you don't get that scholarship back anymore. One of the things we saw, uh, especially, you know, Petrino took, took advantage of this, which is, you know, understandable, is that you sign a kid, you don't qualify, well, you get that scholarship back and you can go find a JUCO kid. And say, hey, we'll just bring in this guy. We'll use it for this use the scholarship there. The NCAA changed that rule a few years ago. You don't get that scholarship back anymore until the next next class. So um, when Louisville signed Jadarian Boykin and Jamel Starks, who didn't qualify, they didn't get the they weren't able to just say, hey, we'll just take these scholarships and give them out to two JUCO guys or two transfers, and we'll be fine. You just have to eat it. Well, what Louisville also did was something that I still 100% ask the question and got a flat-out answer is, it's really complicated. I don't know how they, they, they worked this out, but those two guys went to um, prep school, and then they also were able to uh, come in as freshmen again. Um, I think the loophole is that as long as you don't play football at prep school, you're allowed to do that because both of those guys set out. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's, that's what the rule is or whatever it may be. I, my my anticipation is that that's what they're gonna that's what's gonna happen with Jare Williams is that he is going to go to a, to go the prep school route. I do know my understanding is that he truly wants to come to Louisville. That's his goal. Uh, I don't see him kind of just passing on that if they give him an opportunity. But I would be kind of surprised if they hold a scholarship until February, and hoping again just kind of hope that he'll get there because they have spots they need to fill. Louisville needs a quarterback. They, they 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 lost T Webb. You you can't just say, hey, we're gonna go on the next year with just two guys. So they need a quarterback. They're gonna use a scholarship for that. I think they very much want a experienced offensive lineman, uh, Brian Hudson, who's transferring out of Virginia Tech. Um, I, I I'd be kind of shocked if they don't take him. Uh, he seems to want to come to Louisville from his social media standpoint, uh, which is all I kind of have to go off of, but. I don't know. It's Louisville has to want him, and I can't imagine why they won't. That's a kid that started in the ACCs and played at a high level, and then Virginia Tech bungled his. I don't know. They 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 they're getting transfers all over the place. Nobody really knows what's going on down there. So if they can get those two guys, that leaves them with another scholarship, and I think they want to be able to shore up other things. If they if they you know they obviously could lose more transfers, they could use a little bit more veteran depth on the defensive line. So they have some other spots. I don't think they're going to hold that last spot for, for Dre Williams and hope that he can make it because if he doesn't, now you're stuck maybe passing on some guys uh, and, and scrambling in you know February, March uh, for, for, for scraps, so to speak. So 
I think he'll end up here at some point. Uh, I just don't see it happening in this class. Speaking of Virginia Tech transfers, a lot of people were asking or wanted us to talk about the fact that yeah, no quarterback in this class. Uh, T. Webb's leaving from last year's class. They ended up losing Chubba Purdy at the last second in that class. Uh, we found out today, Hendon Hooker announced that he was transferring from Virginia Tech, the quarterback who played so well. He followed me on Twitter, I think, five minutes after he made that announcement. What does that mean, Keith? Wait, wait, wait. I, I saw it. Mar- like Mark Ennis texted me. He's like, look who Hendon Hooker just followed on Twitter. I'm like, well, I saw it's me, and I think I see you, and I see a couple of other Louisville accounts. Apparently, all these Virginia Tech players are just passively, aggressively letting us know that they just want to come play for us, <laughs> despite the fact they beat us this year. So, um, I know Garrett Schrader, the Mississippi State kid, who famously got punched in his face by his teammate and couldn't play against us in the bowl game last year. There's been some buzz about him coming in here. Do either one of those guys uh, make you feel more confident about the position next year if they come? Um. Yeah, I think so. I think that, you know, um, Malik Cunningham should be coming back. I don't, and it would be kind of a shock if he didn't. I think at this point, I, I think the, the transfers from Louisville will be fewer and far between at this point. You know, I think that the, the coaches are obviously talking to players and having meetings and having your, your uh, end of the season, you know, meetings and whatnot. But I, I, I don't think that we'll see a bunch of crazy transfers. Anything can happen, you know, but I, I don't really anticipate anything like that. And I think that one thing that Louisville needs is a guy that can come in and actually push Malik Cunningham a little bit more. Um, I think that Evan Conley is a good player. I think we've seen that he can play at this level. Um, whether or not he can be a, a, take a step where you're saying he's better than Malik Cunningham, I'm not really sure we're going we're gonna to see that. So I think bringing in a guy that can play, that has experience, is important. Garrett Schrader fits what they do. He's a, he's a dual-threat guy. A good runner, a tough runner, which is what we know Scott Satterfield likes, um, and I think he can pass the ball well. He's not a great quarterback from a from a passing standpoint, at least what he showed as a true freshman. Which you know you can only take so much from that, but you know through eight touchdowns, uh, you know only through five interceptions, completed I think fifty eight percent of his passes somewhere in that in that range. Had a couple of good games against good defenses. Really feasted on bad defenses. But as a, as a true freshman, I thought he played pretty well. I think he fits what they do. Him and Hooker, you could say the same thing. The other aspect of Henning Hooker that I think Louisville fans would like is he protects the football really well. Um, this year, I think he had his, his first just awful interception game where he threw three interceptions against Wake Forest. Before that, he had only thrown two interceptions in his career, I think. So he's a guy that is more of a game manager, which, as we know from Louisville's standpoint, you, you, they really want to run the football. They're going to do some QB runs. They're going to focus on that, and they need a quarterback that can make the big throws and not turn the ball over, and, hey, the offense does well. We saw that in 2019. You turn the ball over, things aren't as good. We saw that in 2020. So I think that both those guys will be good options. But here's the thing that I think uh, I hope people are noticing. They're going to have their pick. I mean, there are going to be way more transfers than there are spots. And you're starting to see kids are already picking out schools and they're being smart about this. They're, they're, they're taking the offers when they get them. And you're seeing a lot of, a lot of kids just go with what they, they're, I don't want to say first offer, but their best shot of playing. And it's like, Hey, I'm not going to wait this out. I'm going to go and take it because here pretty shortly over the next week, week and a half, they're going to be way more transfers than their opportunities. So Louisville's going to be in a position where they kind of have a chance to, out some guys 
there are guys transferring all over the country. You got Grant Gunnell out there in Arizona decided to transfer today. He's going to be the you know the new top guy. Every day we're going to see a new top option for schools. Well, there's not going to be many options left for those players to go. So I think they're playing a little slow. I think they're waiting to see who kind of who the options are. I think that's why they didn't sign anybody on signing day. I think that's why they're kind of waiting. But I think that right now, I, I, I would say those are the two two guys that I think fit what they're doing. I know there's interest in Gary Trader. I'm not so sure about Hooker yet, but it's, it's still fresh. But I would say that if I had to take a wild guess on who is on the roster next year, I'd be surprised if it's not Gary Trader uh, as, of, as of this moment. The only reason that makes me happy, because Henry Hooker played pretty well against us. I, I like his game, too. The amount of low-hanging hooker jokes that would have come our way would, would just be, I don't know if I could deal with that for a full year. Like, like it, it, at some point, you just have to make fun of guys, but at some point, it just gets annoying. Like, it's just, it would be the easiest joke in the world, and everybody would make it, and it would drive me crazy all year. Like, every every week would be a new fan base making the same shitty hooker jokes that we've heard for the last six years. So, uh, best of luck to Hendon, but for my sake, I, I hope that you choose somewhere else or somewhere else chooses you. Uh, the, way gonna... the way your the way your Twitter mentions go, when even when you just try to make your own joke, I I, I wouldn't be able to handle it either. Like I, I don't know how you deal with the very idiotic people that can't. Yeah, they just don't get it. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how you deal with it. Or it's like you know Louisville, Wisconsin, rescheduled for Saturday at noon. Yeah, but how about those hookers in Minority All score to the ceiling, bitch? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no. Like I just I I do love like. I would love to get in the mind of the people who make these jokes who think that they're revolutionizing the Twitter game. Like, no, nobody's ever had this thought before, let alone put it on the internet, ma- made it digital, and thrown it in the face of a UFL guy. Like, I, I got him. Like, this guy's going to cry. He's going to become a UK fan once he reaches that- That's how hurt he's going to be. Uh, no, I- I've seen everything for the past six years, you fucking lazy-ass pieces of shit. Um, on that note, we're going to talk superlatives for this recruiting class, but before we do... I uh, want to remind you guys, this podcast is sponsored by Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel, they're going to let you relive all your favorite UofL memories and logos when you shop their new collection. It launched in October. It's done really, really well for the last couple of months. They've still got great deals going. The deal they've got right now is still, if you use the promo code Card Chronicle, all one word at checkout, it's going to save you 20% off your first purchase. Um, Homefield makes unique vintage collegiate apparel on the most comfortable tees and hoodies you'll ever wear. If you want to venture out there and get some non-UofL stuff, They've got just about every college under the sun, D1 schools, D2 schools, D3 schools, and best of all, no Kentucky. So uh, you don't have to worry about that. You can make fun of Kentucky fans for not having their own home field shirts. Go to homefieldapparel.com to see the full collection. Follow them on social media, homefieldapparel on Twitter without the E on apparel, and homefieldapparel on Instagram. Again, thanks as always to Homefield Apparel for sponsoring the podcast and sponsoring the website. We are big, big fans. All right, Keith, are you ready to play some uh, superlatives with this 2021 class? Yeah, let's get after it. All right. Most underrated prospect in this class? Ooh, that's good. Um, I would say, believe it or not, I would say Amari Huggins-Bruce. I know that Louisville fans are excited about him, but, I mean, he's a kind of a middle of the pack from a ranking standpoint. Didn't really get a lot of love from, you know, uh, you know the, the recruiting folks, the national recruiting folks. So I think he's a guy that might play right away as a, as a return guy and as a special package guy. I think he takes over in a slot, uh, at least in some way, shape, or form uh, early on. Who's the guy in this class who sees the most playing time right away in 2021? 
Uh, ben Perry. I think he has a potential of actually like literally starting a free safety uh, with uh, with uh, Isaiah Hayes moving on. Josh Minkins obviously has a has a good shot, but I think that Ben Perry's a guy that can come in and and literally he he might just be a guy that can start as a true freshman. Who's the guy who winds up having? It's maybe the same answer. Who has the best overall Cardinal career from this 2021 class? Uh, Travion Cooley, actually. I think that he's, you know, at some point he's going to take over. And I think with the way that they run the offense, obviously, the running back has a better shot. And I think that he's a guy that year two, maybe not next year, but I think second year in, he's going to be, he's going to force them to split carries with him and Jalen Marshall, Jalen Mitchell, at the very least, and have kind of a thunder and lightning kind of deal. Who is Keith's guy in this class? Who's the one player? player in this class that you have a special interest in or a special affinity for that maybe you know, the, the average Louisville fan thinks less of, but you just kind of have embraced him and think he can be something special? You know, I, it's weird because I, I, it's hard not to say TJ Lewis, even though I feel like they could have done maybe better at the position from who they recruited. He just, you watch him play and man, I just, I just, I have a feeling that as a passer, he's better than he seems. And some of that is the offense he plays in, but you watch him throw the football and all the mechanics look right. He can throw the ball with touch, which is something you don't see from most running quarterbacks. I'm, he's just an intriguing guy. And I'm really rooting for him, hoping that it works out as a quarterback. All right. What, and finally, what's your favorite name in this class? <laughs> favorite name? Um, you know, I, it's weird. I like Demetrius Cannon as a wide receiver. I don't know. Cannon, I think like speed, you know, burst and all that stuff. I like that. I like that just sounds kind of like a video game name to me. I like it. I like it. All right. Uh, well done. You handled the superlatives well. <laughs> I want to get your thoughts here before we answer a couple questions from Twitter. The We found out earlier this week, I guess it was yesterday, Scott Satterfield on Wednesday talked to the media about the signing day class, and he also revealed that uh, we're not going to play in a bowl game. Again, he should have just said we're opting out. Instead, he was like, <laughs> nobody wants us. And we're like, eh, you know, everybody's opting out. Just opt out. <laughs> but uh, – we're not going to play in a bowl game, which means Louisville ends the season four and seven. Bizarre year. Feel like it took 55 months. I, I had totally forgotten until early this week that we actually hosted College Game Day uh, at one point in time. I mean, Same. so so weird. I mean, this was a ranked team that hosted College Game Day at one point and wound up going uh, three and seven in the ACC. Won those three games by a combined 86 points, and then <laughs> literally nobody else in the conference. Just a, a bizarre year. When you look back at 2020, outside of just the overall absurdity of this four-month period, what do you think is going to stand out to you most about this season? I think, you know, and I've, I've been beating this, you know, home for months now, that Louisville improved. Like, I, I hate this season because they actually improved, and the record's so bad uh, because they really just were terrible about, about protecting the football. Uh, and they didn't do enough of getting the football back as a defense. But outside of those two things, they literally improved uh, a lot. I think the defense took a step forward. They had some games where they didn't play well at all, but they also had games where they killed it. I mean, they, they really did play well. They got a shutout against Syracuse. And obviously, he's not a great team, but still shutting out another Power 5 team, a, a conference you know, foe, was really impressive. They looked really good against Wake Forest. They had some. They had a lot of positives on the defensive side of the ball and on offense. They really, as frustrating as it was, even even outside the turnovers, they really were still very good. They were explosive. They were able to create big plays. 
the running game looked good. They had Despis Patrick being, you know, finally kind of being the key guy on offense. Um, you know, and, and I think that overall, I think they, they improved as a football team. I think going into next year, they have a lot of things to build off of, which is exciting. I just it's 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 really unfortunate, obviously, that the the record is not going to match that. I mean, but to go four and seven and have a positive point differential, have positive numbers across the board. I mean, the only thing that they didn't that they weren't better in was the turnovers. So you look at everything else; they had a they had a better offense than their defensive counterparts. They had better defensive numbers than their offense than the offenses they went against, and they had a better point differential. And they they were well under five hundred. It's almost it's almost impressive how they pulled it off. So, but I think you know John John who you know Cardinal Strong who who writes for us that had a great post today to look at the numbers. He talked about how they they had four close games last year, had a positive six turnover rate, scored forty two points in those games, and they went went four and zero. They had four close games this year, went negative six in the turnover margin, only scored twenty three points or something like that, and lost all four games. It's pretty pretty blunt of how they ended up with the record they, they had. Um, and it, it just makes it more frustrating. I wish they had a, had another positive season. Um, I think the players played their ass off this year. Um, and, and, and they just didn't really get it all together and didn't get to, to, to get the wins on the back end. But I think overall, you know, it's still a positive season. I think they have something to build off of. There's only one solution to Louisville's problems this off season. And it's for this coaching staff to do the shitty high school coach thing where they make all the players walk around with footballs all the time and, like, not put them down. Like, like everywhere you go this summer, everywhere you go this offseason, you got to carry a football around with you to, to, to learn the value of possessing the football. Like, I remember they would do that in high school. And I was like, I feel so bad. I'm, like, walking around. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, this is, this is so stupid. Like, my buddy Dakeese. Dakeese made a great high school football player at Trinity. Uh, he fumbled a bunch sophomore year, and, like, they made him walk around one day, like, with the – I was like, this is – I feel bad for both of us. Me having to look at you and you having to do it. It was just, <laughs> it was just so, so dumb. But clearly it'll, it'll have an effect. All right, we're going to answer some questions here from Twitter. Uh, we answered some on yesterday's pod, but I had a bunch left over that we'll try to get to uh, as many as possible. First of all, half of your questions are about Lamar Jackson. I, we can't cover it any more than we already have. I don't think he pooped his pants. I really don't. <laughs> I, I believe him with the calf cramping. I think he actually was. Do you believe – do you take Lamar at his word um, like I do? Because I just don't think he would lie about it. I, I think if he if he shit his pants or had to shit during the game, I think Lamar's the type of guy who would be honest about it. Yeah, I think he would just own it. He's pretty, he's pretty blunt about everything. That's kind of one of the best things about him. You know, he just doesn't really seem to care about the whole – do the right PR thing. He just kind of says and does what's on his mind. And yeah, I think he probably own it. Uh, James says, which, which uh, current player and former player would make the best mall Santa? That's actually two questions. Uh, this is, he, he clarifies of any sport. Um, current player. I feel like Cole Bentley would be a great mall Santa. I feel like he would just uh, stand out. And then if we're talking about lovable fat guys at U of L, Troy Jackson, big escalate. I mean, it's gotta be, I, I mean, I, I feel like he would have been the perfect mall Santa, like just lovable, love the kids and versatile. Like he could handle the, you know, the, the presence. He could handle picking the kids up. He could handle getting stuff in the sleigh. He was, uh, he was Escalade. He, he was fantastic. That's my answer. I feel like, I mean, you kind of, that's I don't know if you get much better than those two. I was going to go with Cole Bentley, but I think if you don't go with Cole for a current player, I think Robbie Bell would be kind of perfect because he's big and jolly. He's always smiling. He's always, like, super outgoing. So I feel like he would kind of fit. But Troy Jackson is definitely the answer. I mean, the dude, the personality alone, 
fits, you know, super lovable, fun, loving guy. You, got, you know, you can cross up the kids in the, you know, in, at the basketball court afterwards. I wrote this, uh, actually wrote a, this story, used a story for a chapter in the book I wrote a few years ago, but we got to practice at UofL's old, old practice facility when I was in seventh grade. And um, we had like the snow day and like the gym, we couldn't get into our gym at, at my grade school. And Troy Jackson was like the only Louisville player there. And he's like running around the outside and kind of in typical Troy Jackson, I'm sure they were trying to get him in shape. He ran like one lap around the practice center and then was like, <laughs> I'm done. And then just started playing with us, which, you know, when you're, I'm like a 13 year old kid. It was the greatest thing in the entire world. And he couldn't have been like more jolly. It, it was like I was playing basketball with Santa. It was wonderful. It was <laughs> an awesome memory. He's missed every day. Troy Jackson fucking ruled. He, he was the best. Um, let's see here. Uh, Jeff Greer said, what is your problem? <laughs> I know he wanted you to say that in a certain voice. Um, I don't have a problem, Jeff. My problem is he keeps hyping his podcast while taking shots at me. Like He's, he's promoted his podcast probably 15 times. And in eight of these promotions, there's some like subtle or just outright overt dig <laughs> at me. Which it's getting a little bit too much. I, I don't like it. Kristen Cunningham laughed the other day at it. I was like, Kristen, don't laugh. Like he's, <laughs> he's not funny. I did notice it on Instagram the other day, and I was like, man, that's just such. It was so. It's so unnecessary that it makes it just. It makes it kind of funny. It really, yeah. It's bad. I don't, <laughs> this is an anti-Jeff Greer podcast. Uh, Alan says, if I could only buy a, a loved one one gift from the ACC Network commercial, what should I go with? Um. I don't think many people would appreciate alien tape. Um, I'd go perfect brownie pan. Um, it's the holidays, still time to make gifts. We're still going to be in quarantine for a little bit, probably to start 2021. Uh, everybody's getting fat. Why not make some good sweets? You need the perfect brownie pan. That's what I would go with. I mean, if you want your family to think you have real issues, buy them any of the tack related like garbage <laughs> they sell, and they will definitely think you're like one of these crazy you know conspiracy theory people because that's who they're that's their target demo because you need something military grade that you definitely don't need at all like the shaver is my favorite one because the commercial they have them shaving underwater and it's like who the fuck would ever need that yeah like why would you ever need that at all who is shave who was what oh so people are like diving to their pool in their backyard and like yeah i just want to shave outside that's it i mean what are you what are you doing yeah uh, yeah it's it is probably the best commercial though of any of the products i feel oh. like they're all great because they're all like I love the 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 tech glasses or the tech you know sunshade on the car and all and like what are we like it's just it's so dumb but it's hilarious. Yeah, if you've ever looked up like the marketing too, like what it costs to have ad time on the ACC network, not shocking that these products are able to get on. I think you and I, <laughs> you were, I put together enough cash to have like a Card Chronicle podcast commercial. Um, let's see here, Wes Jackson, I just lost it. What did he say? I just lost the tweet. Uh, it was something about, oh, which Louisville football player would have the best chance of pulling a Josh Chichester in the Kentucky game next weekend? For those of you who don't remember, and my God, please remember, it was the greatest <laughs> moment in the rivalry history. Josh Chichester, who I think dressed for like five Louisville basketball games, um, in the middle of an absolute beatdown of the Kentucky basketball team inside Rupp Arena during the Billy Gillespie era, Josh Chichester hit a turnaround baseline jumper. Might be the happiest I've ever seen my dad. Like, like my dad... <laughs> As Lobo's just pouring it on the team that he hates more than anybody, our football player, who I don't think scored another point his entire basketball career at Louisville, hits this beautiful turnaround jumper over Derek Jasper. And my dad was like, whoa, ho, ho! <laughs> I just lost it. 
Um, I have heard from, uh, from, from multiple people, this question came up a few weeks ago when the basketball team was like in need of bodies that Marshawn Ford was it was a big baller. I know Josh Minkins was at Ballard too. Both Ballard kids. You're a Ballard guy. I feel like you're probably going to pick one of the Ballard kids too. You know, I, I, it's hard not. Minkins was like legit good. I know that he was like a big like one of their best players, and they were talented. But I don't know. I mean, you. I feel like the first guy I would think of is actually Justin Marshall because he's got the size. Like he's a yeah. big dude. He's athletic. You feel like he has to be able to jump, maybe also. So you know, six three guy who can also who can maybe you know play out there in the wing and help rebound. If I don't go with Minkins, I gotta go with. I'm just guessing he'd be really good. I don't know. I like that you just went away from your alma mater, like Ballard. You know, I'm trying not to be a biggest homer. basketball program in the state. Well, <laughs> it's come on, come on. It's part podcast. Um, Ross says, "Okay, hear me out." You're recasting Christmas Vacation using U of L's football team. Who do you cast as Cousin Eddie, and how do you convince me it's not offensive lineman Jackson Gregory? And he puts a picture up of, of Jackson Gregory. And I'll be honest, it does look like he was wearing Cousin Eddie's hat, uh, the famous hat. So I feel like, again, though, like this is a Robbie Bentley or Robbie Bell, Cole Bentley type decision. Like, I don't, I don't know who else would have, like, hey, Tyler Haycraft last year would have definitely been a candidate. But. Yeah. It's Bentley or Bell. I mean, it's it's like I, I will say this from the few interviews I've seen and kind of follow like Jackson Gregory is 100% cousin Eddie. Like he actually <laughs> might be that guy in real life. Like he is he's kind of quirky. He's got the you know he's kind of one of those he's from you know somewhere in the middle of Ohio and you know like the type of guy you know that goes bow hunting on the weekend. Like he's kind of out there. So I guess I I, I think that's that's probably the best bet, but. I don't, know. I don't know. I feel like Cole Bentley would probably be a second. He's a country dude from out there in yeah. you know, the hills. I, I feel like that's probably a second, like, good guess there. Like, I, But I do, I will say, like, like, yeah, he nailed it. Jackson Gregory is kind of one of those guys that, like, it's definitely an offensive lineman. Like, those, those offensive linemen are always a little bit weird. They're all a little kind of out there. So, you know, you can't really pick a different position. But if it was a different position, I feel like Evan Conley with the with the hair, yeah, might be an option. I, I thought about going Evan Conley too because he he also just kind of has that look. Like, like yeah. I feel like he would definitely say shitter's full and think it was hilarious. Like he probably wears some sort of Christmas vacation themed ugly sweater to one of these parties that they have uh, in a normal year. I'm, I'm sure that nobody's partying this year. Uh, college the only, kid. The only thing with Conley, he cut his hair, so I feel like he's not completely committed to it. You know. Like you can't cut your hair when you have that. That he had like a great like mane going. He just he cut it out of nowhere. Like, it became too your much. You're not you're not fully committed to it, man. It started to define him. I, I think he I think he realized that the, <laughs> the hair was taking on a, a life of its own, and he felt like he had to nip it in the bud. And who knows? Maybe maybe it's back by the time we see him again in February for spring football. Um, we you kind of already answered this one a little bit, but Casey Munt says, why do you think Satterfield has had no luck so far with quarterbacks in his recruiting classes? You know, it's 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 a fair question, I, and I I honestly don't know. And I do think, you know, like I said, I, I think T.J. Lewis is a guy that I'm like rooting for. I, I feel like there's a potential for him, but I mean, if we're gonna be honest and be fair, they missed on quarterback. I mean, they they this is a class where they're going after Shadur Sanders, four star kid. He you know he he seemed like he wanted to come, but he was kind of you know being gun shy and being really kind of under the radar with things and. 
I, I don't know if they put too many eggs in that basket and there were other kids that just shot away because they, they put out offers. I, I do want to stress they weren't, you know, saying, hey, it's, it's boom or bust from their actions. But you've got to understand how kids, you know, see see things. I mean, when you got a kid that everyone knows is, is trending towards you, that he's recruiting for you, he's, he's calling recruits and, and texting guys and sending messages saying, hey, you know, what do you think about going to Louisville and making this like kind of a group thing? Other quarterbacks are going to notice. I mean, these kids talk. They, they know each other. They, they, re- they, they communicate. So I think that was something this this class that maybe they missed on some guys that they really wanted and they kind of just couldn't get them because Shadir Sanders was kind of the elephant in the room and they kind of settled. Um, but, you know, I think last year's recruiting class, you know, they, the Chubba Purdy thing is still still just a fluke. I mean, there's, there's nothing they're going to be able to do about that. The kid was 100% in and all of a sudden at the last minute just decides, hey, a, a kid I grew up with, I'm going to go play with him. Who, by the way, that kid transferred two weeks ago. So now Trevor Perry's at Florida State by himself. But whatever. <laughs> like I, like I don't, I don't know if you can really do anything about that. And that's that's the hard thing when it comes to recruiting, especially at the quarterback position. You're only getting one guy most of the time. You miss on that guy, and you got to scramble most of the time. So I was kind of disappointed with the fact that when they were giving out these offers, they were just, they, they just, it just wasn't working. This, this, this recruiting class. And that is something that is genuinely fair to, to concern fans because, I mean, Scott Satterfield is an offensive coach. He is a quarterback. Frank Ponce has a good track record of helping quarterbacks. They've put, you know, they've, they've had guys star for them and be all-conference conference MVPs over and over again in the Sun Belt. You've got a lot to sell. And you've got an offense that, you know, isn't really super complex, but it's not. It's an offense that some teams run a variation of in the NFL. You have a lot of stuff to sell. I mean, really, as as a as a coaching staff, and it just didn't it didn't pan out at all. This this recruiting class, they they missed out on you know Trevor Purdy. T. Webb is either homesick or flat out realized that he can't play at the power five level, one or the other, or maybe both. Um, that's that's kind of concerning, and I think that uh, it's something that hopefully with this next class, you have a kid Gavin Wimsett who is here in Kentucky, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Louisville has a wide open spot for him to come in and play. Um, I think that that's something that fans should probably expect and probably hold them to a, you know, hold them to it. Like, hey, that's that's that should be an option for you. But uh, th- with this recruiting class, you have to hit on cornerback. They 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 if they don't, they're running into a pretty rough situation with Malik Cunningham likely moving on, obviously, uh, where you got to have a guy that can come in and compete. And and I think that it's probably fair for for fans to hold their feet to the fire in his class if they can't hit again because that's a position that Louisville should be able to recruit well from a program standpoint with their history and then from their coaching standpoint with their history, uh, that really you can't really excuse that, you know, if it did really work out. All right, I saved this question from Marsha for last on purpose. She said, a week before Halloween, Keith didn't know what his kids were dressing up as. It's now a week before Christmas. Does he know what they're getting for Christmas? I bought my kids Christmas presents like Friday, like this past weekend. <laughs> <laughs> they just came in, like literally, they came in yesterday. So uh, it's actually kind of funny. Like supposedly my wife told me in August uh, that we're not doing big Christmas presents for each other and expected me to remember that in December, which is insane. So <laughs> yesterday I got like four boxes in. One of them is huge, like bigger than the kids. Like it's like, it's like five feet tall. 
And I'm trying to figure out what's what because I can't let my wife see it because some of them are here, hers, and the other ones I need to pull out so I can wrap them. And she's like, I thought we were doing, you know, big presents this year because, you know, as you know, and as, as people that follow me on Twitter, we're, we're trying for another child via IVF, which is, you know, like buying a car. You know, so <laughs> we were like, yeah, we're not going to spend money on gifts. And I looked at her and I was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, yeah, remember we talked about this because we're spending all this money. We don't want to spend, you know, spend more. And I said, no, I don't remember that at all. She's like, remember, like, when I said about my birthday? I said, yeah, that was your birthday. And she's like, said Christmas. I was like, what are you talking about? There's no way you expect me to remember this four months later. So I, I bought a bunch of stuff, and I'm really excited about it. But, yeah, I totally bought my kids Christmas presents last week, a soccer net for my son because he's big into soccer. And I bought um, – I actually bought a, a hair straightener for my daughter because she's big into her hair now. So, you know, I bought some thoughtful things, I think. But yeah, I just I just did this last week. Shocking. It, tur- it, dis- it, it, hey, it turns out on Halloween, my wife punted on Halloween this year because in the middle of a pandemic, we weren't going trick or treat anyway. So that's why I didn't know because she didn't buy my Halloween present or Halloween costume. You're gonna be shocked and appalled when you find out that both Olivia and Patrick listen to the pod. Like they're gonna, right. yeah, they just they, they know exactly what they're getting now. It's gonna be terrible. It I is, do. It is possible that my wife plays it on the way because like my wife still reads all my posts my wife knows nothing about football and it shows why i still have no clue why my what my wife sees in me at all like we makes no sense but when we started dating she used to read my posts every post i wrote even though still to this day 10 nine years later she didn't know anything about football so that's how like much my wife is into me which is insane to me that she would read my you know detailed breakdowns of boston college even though she has no clue what she's reading. Amazing to me. So, it's a you. straight call out of Mary Rutherford there who reads nothing. <laughs> I do. Don't listen to anything I do. And I can say that because she's not going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> Zero chance. Which also lets me, opens the door for me to tell the story of, you know, you did the whole thing where it's like, we're not doing big Christmas. And, you know, she's, Kelsey would never get mad at you for this. Mary tells me not to do big stuff. I did big stuff last year thinking she'd be like, oh, this is so sweet. Like, legit got mad halfway through opening presents, so much so that she, like, didn't enjoy any of the stuff I did. <laughs> it was completely not worth it. So when I was told this year that we're not doing, I did not do big Christmas this year. Like, she's getting very little because we, that's what we agreed to. And, uh, yeah, it, it's very literal. Like, it's not a, it's not like a subtle thing. Like, I'm doing this just to be nice. It's a common courtesy. No. Like, when she says she doesn't want a lot, she does not want a lot. And, again, I can say this because she's never going to listen to this. <laughs> Uh, Keith, big thanks as always, not just for your work uh, tonight on the podcast, but on the site. Uh, you kill it as always. Again, if you haven't read Keith's profiles of all 21 signees, go to Card Chronicle at some point uh, in the next couple of days. Uh, you don't have to read them all at once. You can space it out. It's good stuff. But if you want to know the future of Louisville football, what it looks like and who these kids are, uh, Keith covers it better than anybody. Keith, enjoy the weekend, man. And uh, everybody listening, have a great weekend. And hopefully the next time we talk to you, we're talking about a Cards basketball win over Wisconsin and getting you ready for a uh, start of ACC play and then Kentucky game. So have a good weekend. Until we talk to you guys again, go Cards.